Good morning. I, I'm, I'm up here looking for my notebook that should be here, and I've taken it and laid it down somewhere. So I'll find it in a minute. Uh, uh, welcome to worship this morning. Um, I, I want to take care of a few business things first, if I could. I, I really don't like to do this typically on, on Sunday morning, but uh, uh, one thing I prefer not just to talk about at all, and the other thing is the celebration. Um, but uh, I want to talk first about masks, because I've been, I've been asked, um, are we going to wear masks? Aren't we going to wear masks? What are we going to do? Um, and um, here's where I am. Uh, this may not be the right place to be, but this is where I am for right now. Um, since our congregation is, is at least 80% of the folks are vaccinated, um, we are not going to go back to encouraging masks for the time being. Um, we'll see how things go. But we, but we are worried about, about kids, kids and children, and, and so uh, we are encouraging kids under 12 who can't be vaccinated and those working with them to wear masks when they're in the small groups and that kind of thing. So that's where we are today. As you know, um, that might change. That's kind of the, the, the nature of where we've been for the last uh, over a year, right? Uh, things uh, might change. change. So, so I just wanted, wanted to share, share with you my thoughts and why we're doing what we're doing for right now. Um, now, the second order of business um, is um, exciting because, um, as you all know, our administrative assistant left early um, this year uh, to take full-time employment, and we looked at that job and looked to restructure it so that it was not just administrative assistant, but we wanted to focus on communications. Um, we wanted to uh, fill the position with someone who will help us uh, communicate the ministries of the church, both internally and externally. Um, through uh, email and Facebook and the website and sail mail and phone calls and the whole works. Um, and so um, we have a new team member. And so I'm going to invite Kelsey to come forward with her family um, and so that you all can see her so that folks online can see. Um, Y'all didn't know you were coming forward, huh? She didn't tell you that. Uh, but I want you to welcome Kelsey uh, Bransfield and her husband, Jonathan, and, um, oh goodness, you're going to have to help me. Hunter, Henry, Layla, right? Okay, I got that right. Uh, she's actually going to begin next week training, and so um, you'll begin to seek communication from her. And uh, those of you online, you may even begin to see Kelsey um, facilitating our online worship uh, to, to help the folks who are online be more connected. We've already talked about that important piece of communication. And so uh, let's welcome Kelsey um, to our team. Good deal. You want to go sit down or you want to stay up here with me? <laughs> sit down. Okay, y'all go sit down. Here. Uh, and so let us let us uh, let us um, focus on God's presence among us. Let us take a deep breath and be reminded that God is with us. Let us begin to allow our minds and our hearts um, to focus on God's presence. So, so that, that as we continue, continue in worship, 
we might come in anticipation and expectation of experiencing the presence of the Spirit afresh and anew as we gather together this day to sing and to pray and to hear the word shared and to fellowship with one another. And so I invite you to stand as we sing, come Christians, join to sing, and the light of Christ comes forward and we are reminded Christ is here with us. Gracious God, you may be seated. Gracious God, we just thank you for your presence among us this day. As we gather here, settle our hearts, open up our minds, open up the deepest depths of our soul this day. As we come, Lord, uh, Help us to release to you those places this week where we fail to be the people that you have called us to be or uh, where we have done more harm than good. Um, help us by your Holy Spirit to, uh, to go forth into the next week um, committed and living in your presence so that we might be better at serving and representing you in this world. As we gather here, help us to uh, be set free from those things that bind us and um, distract us and keep us from doing uh, life with you each day and enable us by your spirit that we might connect with you not just in this worship, but that we might connect with you each and every day um, and each and every moment of life so that we might share your love and your grace with others. 
as we gather in this space, pour out your spirit upon us. Enable us to hear and to respond and to go forth to be your people. Allow us to hear and capture your mission and your vision for us and for your people. In Christ's name, amen.
As we uh, continue in our worship uh, today and as we continue in our series, I just um, remind us that we've been looking at the Old Testament in hopes that we would begin to see uh, that the Bible is one unified story. One unified story uh, of uh, God's desire to live with us, of, of God's desire uh, that we would live in harmony with God and each other so that we might create and sustain a world in which all humanity might flourish. Uh, and I think often when we, uh, when we think of following Jesus, we, um, we think that the story begins with Jesus and we forget that it begins with God and creation. And that all of scripture is about uh, this forming of a missional community. And so as we gather today, um, and we, we looked at Exodus last week, and we're going to continue to look at Exodus this week. But um, last week, we were reminded that God sees and hears and feels his people in their pain and their suffering. Uh, we were told that God remembered his covenant. He remembered his promise that he made to Abraham. And then God decided to act. And in deciding to act, God calls and commissions Moses uh, to, um, to participate in setting his people free. And we hear the story of how through Moses, God leads the people out of bondage from Egypt and, and through the sea. And then in chapter 15, we saw how the people celebrated uh, their deliverance. And we get to this point, and so the question is, okay, so now what? What is next? Did God just deliver the people uh, so that uh, they could just do whatever they wanted in the wilderness? Did God deliver the people so that they uh, would wander aimlessly in the desert seeking to figure out things on their own? Um, and in fact, we see as we pick up the story in chapter 19 today uh, that, that God is with his people and that God is doing more than simply delivering the people uh, from bondage, but he has something planned for them. And so we pick up the story in, um, in chapter 19, and I'm going to invite us to... Um, to hear uh, these words from 19 verses 1 through 8. We're told this is about three months uh, from when the uh, Israelites were set free. Um, and uh, they end up going back to the mountain where Moses actually um, encountered the burning bush. And in fact, they will stay at this place for almost a year. In fact, from here in Exodus all the way to Numbers 11, the people are at Mount Sinai. And so I invite us to hear uh, these words. On exactly the third month anniversary of the Israelites leaving the land of Egypt, they came into the Sinai Desert. They traveled from Rephidium came into the Sinai Desert and set up camp there. Israel camped there in front of the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, this is what you should say to Jacob's household and declare to the Israelites, 
You saw what I did to the Egyptians and how I lifted you up on eagles' wings and brought you to me. So now, if you faithfully obey me and stay true to my covenant, you will be my most precious possession out of all peoples, since the whole earth belongs to me. You will be a kingdom of priests for me and a holy nation. These are the words you should say to the Israelites. And so Moses came down, called together the people's elders, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded them. And the people all responded with one voice, everything that the Lord has said we will do. Moses reported to the Lord what the people had said. So as we see this, as we read this passage, uh, we may be wondering, so uh, what does it mean to be a treasured possession? Oh, well, verse 6 gives us an idea when, uh, when it says that we are called to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The people were called to be this kingdom of priests, and, and as you may be aware, priests were the ones who helped connect the people to God and connect God to the people. They were like the mediator between the people, and so God is telling all the Israelites, while later they will have priests who serve as mediators, that God's intention was for the whole people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were to be a kingdom of priests for the rest of the world. And they were to be a holy nation. That is, a, a people who were set apart to reflect the character of God, to reflect God's love and grace in the world so that all might see what life is like when it is lived in connection with God. And, and so we see, we begin to get this sense that God has called the people to be, more, uh, not just to set them free from Egypt, but he has called them to be this missional community. This community which is called to reflect and embody God's character and purpose. Uh, this community who is invited into an ongoing relationship with God, of reflecting his character not just for themselves, but for the sake of the world. They are not called to be um, individuals or some community of individuals. They are called to be a people that work together and come together. And so as we, as we hear this story, we see that God is inviting the people into this relationship. He's given them a choice. And, and I find it interesting, this is a passage of Scripture that comes before um, the, the Ten Commandments, a much more familiar passage to us, and the building of the tabernacle. And I think sometimes because we skip over this passage, we misunderstand what the Ten Commandments actually are. You see, even before the people receive the Ten Commandments, God is inviting them to be his covenant people. And even before they receive the commandments, they are saying, yes, we will be God's missional community. And so the Ten Commandments are not a list of, of rules and laws that people are supposed to obey in order to get into the kingdom. They're not a list of, of rules and, and regulations that the people are supposed to do uh, so that um, they don't get punished. They are not things that, that we do to avoid punishment or to uh, avoid getting into God's doghouse, so to speak. 
They are, uh, they are a way of life that enable the people to reflect God's character. They are a ways of life that ensure, uh, that as people listen to God and his ways, that we might experience life in its fullest. You see, the law is God's gracious gift uh, that, it, that helps to, to order um, a healthy community, that helps to form and shape a healthy community. They are not constraints, but they are ways to set people free to live life more fully in connection with God. They are the path for living well. God's words, God's ways are always that. And then after the, the Ten Commandments, um, we see some elaboration on these laws. And, and the interesting thing, while sometimes we get caught up because the laws were not, all the laws in Exodus and Leviticus, they were not written for us today. Um, in other words, when I say that, I mean that they were specific to the people living at the time. There are things that we learn from reading these laws that we can look at our lives today and understand how we are called to live. But when it says, uh, don't, um, don't mix two garments together of different material, I don't think that means we're all in trouble because of what we're wearing today. Uh, but, 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 but the laws, what the laws show us is they touch on all aspects of life. They're not just about worship and religious issues. They are about economic activities. They are about care for animals and how we engage other people. And really, if we pay attention to them, we do discover that the Ten Commandments and all the laws can be wrapped up by just remembering they're all about loving God and loving others, as Jesus helped us to understand. Uh, they are about how we might live life well. And so if Israel is to be this community of God's people, uh, then uh, they are called to live in the ways of God, to listen to God, to mirror God's image and his love and his grace. And if they live in obedience God's, uh, uh, to God's voice and God's guidance, they will fulfill their role as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In fact, it is the only way that they can reflect God's ways. And yet there's more to this story in Exodus. There's more to the story in Exodus. After God gives the people uh, the law, beginning in chapter 25 of Exodus, uh, we get this, this passage of Scripture from 25 to 40. My guess is, is that most people probably start reading that and they skip to the end. They skip Leviticus. Um, maybe they just go to the Gospels. I don't know. Uh, but but in, in Exodus 25, we get this detailed description of building a tabernacle. Building this tent of meetings, and it goes on for chapters, the details of how to, how to build it. And then later at the end of Exodus, we see the people building the, temp the tabernacle. And, and so sometimes I think we, we look at that and we think, well, it has no relevance for us today. 
And yet, the fact that so much um, scripture is dedicated to the tabernacle uh, should tell us to stop and, and wonder, so what is the significance of the tabernacle? God has given the people the law. He has given them the guidance of what it means to live life. Well, this is God's way of saying, I don't expect you to do it on your own. You see, the tabernacle, uh, the tabernacle is this place where folks learn um, to, to worship and to serve God. It's the place where they learn about uh, confession and repentance and forgiveness when they fail to be the people that God has called them to do. It's also the place where they learn to, to celebrate in thankfulness and, and praise when they um, are successful at sharing God's ways with other people. But even more than that, the tabernacle is God's way of telling the people that he wants to be with them in their presence every single moment. So you may not recall, but, but when the tabernacle is set up, it, it is put in the center of the camp. In the center of the camp. The 12 tribes, they camp around this of meetings, this tabernacle, this place that represents God's presence with the people. It is a reminder that God wants to be at the center of life. And even when the people will journey later, we are told that, that the cloud and that the, the fire arises from the tent and the people follow uh, the cloud, which is God going with them. And so we are reminded that God's desire is not just uh, to call and commission a people to be a missional people and, and, to, and to say, well, here's how you do it, here's some set of rules, now just go do it. It is God's way of saying, I will be with you. It is God's way of ensuring the people that he will go with them and be with them in all of life. And it is exactly he gives these instructions um, after uh, that that then he will send the people on their way in numbers and we will see that they will begin their journey to the land that God has promised them. But before they go there, they need to understand what it means to be a missional community they need to understand um, that God will be with them. And so as we, as we hear and as we uh, reflect on this story today, as we reflect on, on this aspect of the story in Exodus, um, let, us, let us hear in the story that God delivers his people and he encounters them at Sinai in order to commission them to life as a missional people. God's word is given as a gracious gift to show and to reveal his path and his plan. And that obedience, obedience to God, following God, it is not for the purpose of avoiding punishment, but it is for the purpose of living joyful, a joyful, fulfilling life. Worship helps us to remain connected to God. 
It's the place where we learn to confess and to repent and to receive and give forgiveness. It's the place where we celebrate uh, thanksgiving and praise for what God has done and for God's very presence among us. And it is a story that reminds us indeed that we are not alone and we are not called to be the people of God on our own. And so as we hear this story, Story today, as we are reminded uh, of the Exodus, um, may we be reminded that when God delivers us from those things which bind us and hold us, uh, that God delivers us not so not just so that we might be set free from all of that, but He also delivers us so that we might live fully into the purposes that He has set for us, both as individuals and as a community. God. Just, just as he, he did in the days of Moses, calls his people to be a missional community, living in ongoing relationship with God, so that we might live and love like Jesus, so that we might reflect God's goodness and graciousness, and so that the world, the world might see what it looks like to live life with God, and they might decide to come and journey with us and with Christ. May we be reminded of that this day and every day. Amen. And now I'm going to invite you to stand and join us as we sing, Here I Am.
hopefully we've heard the invitation this day to be God's people. people. To be, to be reminded, reminded that we are not just called to be a people of privilege who enjoy God's presence, but we are called to be a people of responsibility, who are called to go forth to participate in God's mission and purposes. And so let us go forth in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to be a missional community that connects with God and each other each and every day so that we might share his love and his grace with our neighbors and the world. Go. To be the people of God. Thank you.